Hello, everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk podcast. This is Amy Bisson, and I'm here today with Mickey Dumont. We are the hosts of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcasts, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members. We will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. The Department of Education, DESE, recently announced a new accountability system. In place of the familiar levels generated from MCAS test measures, DESE has a new system of labeling schools and school districts with a few new measures thrown in. Today, Mickey breaks down this new system and points out some of the concerns that we, as a union of educational professionals, have. Be sure to check our podcast website for links to documents for more in-depth research. And if you're so inclined, comment about your reaction to the new measures. So Mickey, whenever we're talking about accountability and accountability systems, we also need to go back and talk a little bit about testing. That's true, Amy. And you know what? There's a lot of history behind this. Um, the Elementary Secondary and Education Act began back in 1963. Oh, my goodness. That's about 30 years earlier than I thought. Correct. It, it began with um, President Lyndon B. Johnson at the time. And he, he put this in motion in order to uh, impact in a very positive way, all of our children, all of our students who live in poverty mm -hmm. because there was such a high number and they were not getting the resources and the staffing at their schools that they should be. So he implemented this act during his um, reign as president back in the, in the 60s. Now from there, that was in 1965, and you know it brought to us Title I and other programs like that that benefit students in poverty. Then in 1993, we were given the, Ed Refo the Education Reform Act, which was introduced all across the country. And with that act, there was, there was $2 billion that was to be disseminated to um, states all across the country. Um, over a period of 10 years. And under that act, uh, there were strings tied to it, of course. Of like, course. Like everything. Yeah. And one of the strings was that states had to come up with their own testing um, system. Uh -huh. And they also had to, and they also had to take another look at charter schools and what charter schools offer. And that's when we had, uh, we started to have a bigger influx of charter schools. So that was back in 1993. I think the first charter school in Lowell was opened in 1994. Really? Yes. Uh -huh. So um, everything comes with a price. Following the Ed Reform Act, Massachusetts came up with its own version called MIRA, Massachusetts Ed Reform Act. And in that, they came up with an accountability system where students would be tested in, at that time in grades 4, 8, and 10. Okay. It was just a, uh -huh. a sampling of grades. And, you know, it, it took a couple of years, and students were tested. It wasn't like a crazy time as it is today. Uh -huh. um, but there came a point where that wasn't enough, and the people at the Department of Education decided three grades was not enough. So they wanted to 
uh, incorporate some of the other grade levels. So what they came up with in their infinite wisdom was to test grades three to eight and then grade 10. Um, grades three to eight would be assessed on an every year basis, every student, every level. And grade 10, it was, um, at, at that time, they just had to take the test and there was no penalty for, mm -hmm. for failing it. Now there is a penalty because- There sure is, yeah. I believe it was back in 2001, the, Ed, the No Child Left Behind Act was authorized. And that was to kind of um, update the ESEA, Elementary S Secondary Education Act. Now, one of the um, issues with the No Child Left Behind Act was, that came in 2001, they determined that every student in every school across the country would be proficient in reading by the third grade. Now, you know, Amy, when I heard that, I was teaching first grade at the time, and I one of my colleagues came to my room and said, oh my gosh, wait till you hear this. And she told me that, and I just looked at my class and I said, I've never ever had a class in my life who would be able to live up to that expectation, sure. even today. Correct. So, I mean, here we have people making these decisions who really don't even know what the layout is of the classroom, of the students, what the makeup is. They came out with a test that is a one-size-fits-all, and we're learning that it's not such a one-size-fits-all because they're failing too many kids. Mm -hmm. We are failing too many kids. And it's being broadcast that our schools are failing. Oh my gosh, our schools are failing. They're not failing. It's the tests that are failing our students. And I, I stand by that. I, I think everybody knows where I stand on that. Let's get to the, uh, the new accountability system. So what are the classifications for districts? Because we know that they're, they've been there. We've all heard about level one, level two, level three. Now this new system of accountability has been, shall I say, foisted on us? Sure. Let me start with the uh, student performance ratings. I, I say this often that you can go to any program or policy on the, the DESE website, and this is the time where you actually do need to be a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on. That's what yeah. I found. When I... When I was uh, perusing through the new accountability system, I was just, it took my breath away that there's so much involved in this, and I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why it has to be that detailed. So the previous MCAS test, which is more well known as legacy MCAS, um, rated their students as advanced, which is, would be above grade level, mm -hmm. proficient, which would be grade level, needs improvement, which is borderline grade level wanting. And then the fourth rating was wanting for grades three to eight. But if you take it in grade 10, it's not a wanting anymore. It's a failing. And what is the outcome if you fail? You don't graduate from high school. You need to pass the 10th grade MCAS in order to receive a high school diploma. That seems limiting for students who have disabilities, whether they're intellectual or uh, otherwise. That's correct. And uh, especially for second language learners who may not be right at that point at that time of their life which many are not, wow. but they do get there at some point. Of course they do. You and I know that. Yeah. So the next generation MCAS, which is the new one, it's also called the MCAS 2.0, um, has changed the advance to exceeding expectations. Proficient was changed to 
meeting expectations. Needs improvement was changed to partially meeting expectations. And wanting was changed to not meeting expectations. So it, it's the same thing, it, just a different way to say it. Our AFT Mass Policy Director said it, I think, very succinctly when he talked about the new accountability. He His first statement was, meet the new accountability system, same as the old accountability system. It certainly sounds that way, doesn't it? And I would just add two words to that statement, only worse. <laughs> this this is far worse than it ever could have been thought to be. Uh, first of all, the new accountability system is more challenging and rigorous. The test itself is more challenging and rigorous. Some of the it, district schools have been sending out notices to parents, you know, explaining about this new accountability system and cautioning them not to uh, be distraught or upset because it is more rigorous. So there, some of them are saying that if your child was proficient last year, they may be testing out this year as partially meeting expectations rather than meeting. Mm -hmm. So there is that discrepancy, and I, I, personally I don't think that's fair in any way, but it seems like everybody's dropped down a notch or two. Um, they, as I said in many previous statements, they change the goalpost. Always. Frequently, and yeah. the purpose is to designate our schools as? Failing. Yeah, that's the bottom that's, line. That's the narrative. So let's get to the um, ratings of the schools themselves. Yes. Um, on the previous MCAS, which ended in 2016, that was mm -hmm. the last time MCAS legacy was given, the new ratings for schools, the previous ratings were level one, which was a top performing school, sure. levels two and three, which were considered mid and low range schools, Level four was considered to be a turnaround school where the region, uh, the district would have to provide intervention, mm -hmm. the district and the state. And a level five would indicate a need for a state takeover. So those would be the schools that we've heard about, like in Lawrence, where they had a receiver who uh, actually ran the school, not the public. That's correct. Not the elected public official. That's correct. And we talked about this before, Amy. Once one school in the district hits a lower level, the whole district was designated to be at that level. You could have eight level one schools and one level four school, and your entire district would be labeled level four. Huh. Statistically, that doesn't seem very valid. No, no. It's yeah. not fair. It's just not fair at all. How it's allowed to continue, well, it won't continue now because now we have a new rating system. Um, there's actually two rating systems under the new accountability system. Because one isn't enough? I know. <laughs> I, sh I should say two labels rather than systems. One of them is called not requiring assistance or intervention. And the second one is requiring assistance or intervention. Okay. So there's only two of them. Now within those two, there are, let's say, uh, in, the, in the not requiring assistance or intervention, there are targets called meeting targets or partially meeting targets. Those are the formal levels one and two. I see. Meeting targets or partially meeting targets. That means the district does not need intervention. Then there's the um, the former level three school is now called a focused target support. That would have been level three, and it would be requiring assistance. 
okay. from the district or the state. And then the former levels four and five now would be need broad, comprehensive support. So that's the big time. That's like the state takeover. I see. Levels four and five. So again, these, t these assessments are targeting urban settings, gateway cities. Could you, could you Amy, give a, a short definition of what a gateway city would be? Well, the gateway cities seem to be the ones where um, more n newcomers to the United States would uh, settle because there are more services available to them, mainly that don't require you know automobiles to drive to all the time. There's public transportation readily available. It's it's where the social service agencies and, and, work. And like in Lowell, the high school is in the hub of the city. It sure is. So that it it is equidistant from all areas of the city and all of those services that you mentioned can be find, found right here in the downtown Lowell area. With that new um, rating system comes new criteria for determining what level a school and a district would fall into. Um, the old criteria for determining levels included two, um, two areas. One was the the achievement, the scores of the students, and the second one was the growth, the student growth. Mm -hmm. So that would be how much change from one year to the next that a student exhibited based on their scores, and that's correct. Um, that remains in this new rating system. We still use the achievement and the student growth percentile. They've added four more because criteria because I guess you can never have enough um, so what they've added is to to tie into this is why I mean why I, why I said you need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out because all of this these criteria are weighted so that you know the scores have so much weight and then the growth have the scores might have 40 percent weight the growth would have 20 percent etc etc down the line we have six pieces of criteria, the achievement, the growth. Now we have the high school completion or graduation record. Okay. Now we have progress toward attaining English language proficiency, and that's to be determined by the access testing. Oh, okay. That's but done in every school. Can you tell a little bit about the access testing? Uh, it is actually uh, semi-individually administered, and semi looks like an MCAS administration, at least at the two grade levels I taught okay. um, that were subject to access, and uh, it's usually given in January. Every year? We, every year, okay. which is a curious time to measure somebody's growth, growth in English mm -hmm. halfway through the year. We also have uh, a new addition to the criteria, and that is chronic absenteeism. Oh, dear. Yeah. In I guess if I were a parent of a child with a chronic illness where the child had uh, excused absences but frequent absences, I guess that might be a That would be, a, a be held against that child, uh, against that school, and against the district. Yeah, that, this, does, that doesn't seem fair. No. A lot of this doesn't seem quite fair. The, the sixth one that they've added to the new list of criteria is completion of advanced coursework, meaning advanced placement classes. So if your skill is in um, trades or working with your hands and you don't take an advanced course, I, I, know, I know students at Lowell High often take a course or two at Middlesex mm -hmm. 
provided they uh, meet some criteria. What if you don't care to go to college either because financially it's too much of a burden or it's not your interest level or doesn't get you where you want to be in a career? Well, it sounds to me, Amy, like the state is pushing for even those students to start taking advanced placement courses and probably the assessments as well because that's going to be part of your rating as a school and as a district. Wow, that just doesn't seem to be equitable. Well, this is an off note on that. Um, I frequently look at the advanced placement participation and scores from the high school, Mm -hmm. and it's curious that in the past few years, the numbers of students taking those exams has risen, but the scores have dropped. So maybe they're inappropriately placing students in those courses? That's correct. I heard of one school in another district where they um, mandated that all 11th graders take um, an advanced placement uh, test, an AP test, uh, the entire class. So the scores went dramatically down because everyone was in the mix now. So people will look at the scores not knowing the history of the background and they'll say, oh my gosh, what's happening there? Because look at how the scores have dropped. Well, the scores have dropped because you don't have the students taking the assessments that should be and are being prepared to take those Mm -hmm. assessments. So that's now going to be included in the new accountability system. So a school district is going to be held accountable for those measures. That's correct. So they're going to have to urge students who normally wouldn't take those assessments to go out, not only take the assessments, but take classes leading up to those assessments. So it's... it's Head-shaking. Yeah. Scratching my head frequently. I don't understand it. In addition to those new criteria... Uh, I think I had read there are more subgroups that are impacting these school and district ratings. You know, I don't know if there are more of them. There are accountability subgroups, and there are academic Mm -hmm. subgroups. But the accountability subgroups are pretty much the same. They include students with disabilities, ELL or former English language learner Mm -hmm. students, economically disadvantaged, which are your students in poverty, high need students, and then we have the ethnic backgrounds, African American or black, Asian students, Hispanic or Latino, multi-race, non-Hispanic, and then we have white. So we still have pretty much the same group Uh of subgroups, but here's what happens with the subgroups. If you have a, let's say, a students with disability subgroup that has a high failing percentage, which many, many... It's possible. Many schools and districts have that. That now is going to subject your school to a lesser rating, because it falls beneath the target, the target point for that school. Um, Same for the second language learners. If you have a specific percentage of second language learners who are falling beneath the meeting expectation, that's going to be held against your school and therefore your district. That seems to fly right in the face of what education should be. Education should be about possibilities for everyone. Does it seem uh, punitive at all? Just a bit. 
I, I felt the same way. And right now, uh, partially meeting in, in this new system that was implemented last spring is the most common rating mm -hmm. at this point. But we still have uh, numerous students who are falling into the, the lesser categories, which are in turn bringing down the, um, the, whole the schools district. and the district. Wow. I have the notes on that. Um, Okay, um, there were there were actually 1,624 schools in Massachusetts who were designated either not required, not requiring assistance or intervention, or requiring assistance or intervention. Now, in the first category, the not requiring, 83% of those schools fell into that category, which is pretty good. Yes, but 16% of those schools, or about 230 schools across the state fell into the category of needing focused targeted support. 3% fell into the broad comprehensive so, support. That would be our, I'm sorry, that would be our um, districts that have been taken over by the state. Sure. So who provides this targeted support? Who approves it? Who, That's who a great question. It? Great question. Well, the support is designated through the testing. The financing for the support, the funding, is designated by no one anywhere. So let's think about this all the way through. Yes. Our state, already in arrears for uh, funding schools, is requiring more spending at the local level on schools where there are uh, just social or economic issues. Correct. Based on a test that Correct. the state mandates. Correct. And the wow. state. It, the state is saying, well, we'll leave the district to determine how they'll provide they that support. <laughs> yeah. The districts who are strapped for cash comes to mind. <laughs> starving yeah. for cash. And, and, and a state that does not honor its obligations financially for charter reimbursements, for updating the foundation, it, it just is mind-boggling. That's, that's absolutely correct. Now, there's a lot of issues, Amy, with the with the testing all around. Sure. Um, and as educators, uh, current educators, there should be, and we know there are, many, many concerns about this being a one test, one size test yeah. for all. It just doesn't work. And now they've come up with punitive measures for um, schools and districts who have high opt-out rates. So, and here's what happens because of all of this. We get the, the f heavy focus on testing, 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 mm -hmm. which narrows the curriculum mm -hmm. severely. Um, teachers are teaching to the test. They have no choice. Even the uh, uh, author of the Common Core curriculum said that there's absolutely no way that teachers won't be teaching to the test with these mm -hmm. accountability measures. We also have uh, students who are being pushed out of school at the high school level by failing the MCAS. A, a student with a disability or a student in poverty, they're not going to be able to pass it as it currently stands. And there you go. There you have it. It's like uh, a moving target. It's a catch-22. It really is. I'm yeah, and for our listeners, th just think carefully about this. The students take the test in March and then again in April, math and ELA. Um, science for 5th, 8th, and 10th come in there somewhere, but March and April or May, and then they get the results in maybe October. 
Well, that, as an educator, I wonder what what the usefulness of results on a class that has how did left that me, help you? Uh, not really particular. How right? did that help those students of yours that yeah, took that? They test? were already three or four months into the new school or the new class. Their teachers probably already knew what they didn't know and where where they had to begin. So it seems like a waste of money. Yeah, and, and I have a, a key question for everyone. Who gets to see the actual MCAS 2.0 test? Well, Who gets to see question. it? Other than the students sitting okay. in the classroom taking it. I know as a teacher, as a proctor for MCAS Legacy, because the other wasn't developed yet, uh, we had to sign a form that said we would not look. And not only would you not look at them, you wouldn't divulge, you wouldn't help, you wouldn't even be able to keep a student uh, in the right place if they answer question four on question three's bubble, the whole yeah. test section is messed up. Can't say, oh, you skipped one. No, none of that. It, se- it really does seem very punitive. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am in total agreement with that, for sure. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Now, in Lowell, just quickly, um, Lowell had eight schools out of 26 who were reported as needing, requiring assistance or intervention. They, were, they needed focused um, intervention, eight schools out of 26. But those are gone. Those are then, and this is now. We're moving forward now with the MCAS 2.0, which nobody outside of a student has ever seen or knows what's on these mm-hmm. tests. And these are given online to all students, including every student who is not proficient with a keyboard. Or disabled. Or disabled. Mm-hmm. Or doesn't know the language. New accountability system, same as the old. But worse. But Only more. worse but more punitive. That sounds just about right. Yeah, yeah, and I I really hope, my hope is that districts will, you know, administrators and teachers will start looking at this. And parents and community members go to the DESE website. It's ma.doe.us. I've visited it frequently. Your head will be spinning Mm -hmm. because it's, there's just so much. Well, thanks again, Mickey, for this information. We encourage our listeners to go to our podcast website, www.utl495-straighttalk.com, and comment about this issue. We would love to hear your reaction to the new accountability system and if it has made an impact on your school or on your family as well. We will also post several links to DESI accountability information for anyone who wishes to know more. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We welcome your general comments and your feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcasts, or if you're aware of UTL members who might be willing to share their experiences and their expertise, please send us an email at utl-straighttalk at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Amy Bisson with Nikki Dumont, wishing you a great week.